Back in the early 80s, I was flying a new Cessna 210 for a company based in central western Queensland, servicing an area from Emerald in the east to Birdsville in the far west. I had a command instrument rating, single and multi-engine endorsements, and over 1,300 flight hours. I was enjoying flying in the normally clear Cavokay conditions west of the coast and confident in my ability to handle any flight situation that might present itself. This particular weekend found me staying out west and after a big Saturday night with a notorious co-worker and a few more beers than normal, I was looking forward to a relaxing sleep-in. Unfortunately, this was not to be. At about 10am, the local police called asking if I could help return a runaway youth who had busted to the coast and had been detained by the Rockhampton police to be released into his father's care. I knew the father personally. He was the chef at the local club where I often ate evening meals. I agreed to privately fly the father to Rockhampton, pick up the son and fly both back home. The old artificial horizon in Matu 10 had tumbled on my last flight from the coast and it was going to be fixed on Monday. Weather was forecast to be the typical Cav OK for the entire flight there and back with light and variable winds. If we left before midday, we could be back before 5pm all in daylight VFR, so the AH wasn't required. This was assumption number one. I filed the flight plan and headed out to the airport to fuel and pre-flight the 210. I'd ordered two drums, which were supposed to have been delivered on Friday. Unfortunately, they hadn't turned up. No real problem, because I had enough to get to Rockhampton with reserves, and I could fill up there. I was determined to get away on time, and the Ursa said fuel was available. This was assumption number two. We got away on time. The climbing out, the indicated airspeed seemed slower than usual, and the altimeter was sticking every now and then. But after a few thousand feet, it came good. I suspected mud wasps or water in the pedostatic system, but convinced myself that it had cleared and promptly ignored it. This was assumption number three. The rest of the flight to Rockhampton was uneventful, with smooth flying all the way. On arrival, the police and the runaway were waiting, and I contacted the tower to arrange fuel. Apparently, the refueler had just left, and it would be at least 45 minutes and $50 cash to get him back. I didn't have 50 bucks cash. There was just enough fuel to get to Emerald, plus minimum reserves. The weather was still cav okay, and if I could get a quick turnaround, I could still get back before last light. I phoned the Emerald refueler, who agreed to wait for me. The flight was uneventful, and true to his word, the refueler was waiting for us. We refueled and got on our way. Last light would be okay, but just. This was assumption number four. My Cessna had a fuel-injected engine and a 12-volt battery. Cull, the combination worked well, but hot starts involved very precise timing of boost, mixture and throttle, and with 12 volt, you only had one go. Miss it, and you had to wait till the engine cooled or had a ground power start. Nine times out of 10, the magic worked for me. But this time, I missed. We were the only ones left at the airport, so it looked like we would have to spend the night at Emerald. As if on cue, a local cab driver arrived at the airport. Do you need a lift into town, mate? He asked us, 
After hearing our story, he said the magic words. I've got a set of jumper leads in the taxi. How about a try and jumpstart you? Last light was ticking away, but get-home-itis was taking over and I decided to give it a go. We took off, chasing the setting sun. Descending on approach into Barcaldon, it got darker and darker. Luckily, the runway lights came on as expected. Then, the altimeter and airspeed started sticking and lagging behind again. Now, just remember, dark in the outback is totally different than in a built-up area. Dark is black dark. And with partial panel night flight without a functioning AH and a dubious airspeed indicator and altimeter, I was starting to sweat despite the cool temperature. I planned the approach to come over the top of the runway at approximately 1,500 feet, extend the landing gear and very slowly turn left over the town on a downwind leg then cautiously left on base and final, holding further descent until picking up the runway lights. On final, I reduced the power slightly and started a shallow descent. We felt high, but with a questionable altimeter, I was reluctant to steepen my approach until the landing lights picked up the runway surface. We also felt fast, despite the 70 knots indicated, but I didn't want to stall. Finally, the landing lights picked up the runway and I could see I was both high and fast, really fast. I chopped the power and pushed the nose over to get the plane on the ground and began to float. My heart was racing, but there was no way I was going to attempt to go around in the total dark of the outback. After what seemed like an eternity, I got the mains on the runway, retracted the flaps, pulled back for full aerodynamic braking, stood on the brakes and stopped just short of the end of the runway with the bush looming large. There was silence in the cabin. With shaking legs, I taxied to the terminal with nothing more serious than a bruised ego, having used every last metre of that runway. I am now retired after accumulating over 8,500 flight hours and 35 years in GA and have learned to avoid assumptions without confirmation. Assume makes an ass out of you and me.